0: Yes, this is Ponda Extra. I'm Rob Weinberg.
1: And I'm Nathan Rainsford.
0: And for this special edition of Ponda, Ponda Extra, we're in the heart of London's West End at the city's most capacious venue, the London Coliseum, for the opening night of English National Opera's production of Satyagraha, composed by the hugely popular and very successful Philip Glass.
1: Satyagraha means insistence on truth, and it's loosely based on the life of Mahatma Gandhi, the 70th anniversary of whose death has just been marked around the world. It was written in 1979 and was the second of Philip Glass's trilogy of operas about people who have changed the world. The first was Albert Einstein, and the third was the Egyptian pharaoh Akhenaten, the first pharaoh to introduce monotheism to
0: Egypt. English National Opera is a very experimental and daring company and their production of Akhenaten last year was really a sight to behold so we have high expectations for Satyagraha this evening. Now you might know that Philip Glass is best known for his repetitive so-called minimalist style but I'm personally not expecting to hear any Indian musical instruments or Indian motifs in the music tonight. That's not what Philip Glass does exactly, rather his music casts a kind of hypnotic spell on the listener.
1: stuff. And the text of this opera, taken from the Hindu scriptures, the Bhagavad Gita, is sung in the original Sanskrit. If you thought opera was usually unintelligible, even when sung in English, then this one is certainly going to baffle those who like to follow a plot.
0: But this isn't exactly an opera about plot. It takes three episodes from Gandhi's life and imaginatively juxtaposes them against historical figures with whom Gandhi shared a connection. The Russian writer Tolstoy in the first act the Indian Nobel Prize winning poet Rabindranath Tagore in the second and the American civil rights leader Martin Luther King in the third act.
1: And this production has been staged by the acclaimed theatre company Improbable that takes theatre making in new directions with a mix of puppetry, improvisation and storytelling. We're told to expect a visually spectacular production with a lot of surprises.
0: So we're about to go in for the performance but to assist us in our ponderings of Satyagraha I caught up earlier with the singer Toby Spence who's playing Mahatma Gandhi. Toby was enjoying a very successful career as an opera singer when in 2011 he was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. I've been asking him about how that experience impacted upon his life and worldview, as well as his keen interest in art and film and travel. He actually backpacked across Iran for four weeks.
1: And he's also named Arsene Wenger, the long-time manager of Arsenal Football Club, as his hero. I know, actually, that Arsene Wenger himself is a huge fan of opera, so I'll be hoping to see him here tonight to ask him about his transfer policies.
0: Indeed. So, when I met Toby Spence earlier, first I asked him whether preparing for an iconic role, such as Gandhi, was a change from the regular operatic characters he might usually play.
2: It is really quite different. What I've decided to do, along with Feli McDermott, the director, is not to portray Gandhi like a biopic, like the film Gandhi, but to try to get to the message and the spirit of the piece, to try to understand the process that is embedded within the piece but also embedded within Gandhi's life, which is actually far more important than a simulacrum of what Gandhi looked like himself, especially in this day and age. Now, as ever, you know, we need to be learning these messages over and over again, which seem to be forgotten all the time, of uh, peace, patience, understanding and compassion. And, of course, Gandhi's particular strain of those four qualities synthesized together in resistance to what he understood to be injustices against India and to any oppressed people. And it's a, a beautiful message and one that I'm very happy to communicate today.
0: So apart from shaving your hair, how do you prepare for a role like this?
2: Okay, for the sake of a a podcast, it's worth saying that um, I have a a relatively full head of hair, but uh, I have been um, put to the knife, as it were, and this production is very much a company production and improbable theatre who have come together with English National Opera to make this production have built the puppets themselves. So the players, what we call the skills, but the improbable company, not only take part in the in the opera, but they also have built the puppets that we use. Um, these giant, larger-than-life creations that are incredibly beautiful, and, and it's hard to describe them, but they have to be lightweight, of course, um, and they seem to be made out of newspaper, and visages are um, caricatures, um, that might sort of approximate historical figures. So one day I decided that it would be nice for everybody to uh, build me as a puppet and to sh- have a go at shaving my hair off. So the whole company got together on one uh, Tuesday afternoon and um, shaved off my hair. And so, yes, my very full head of blonde red hair has turned into a very bald head.
0: You mentioned historical figures, and I know in the opera... There's one section where Tolstoy looms large over the scene in the second act, Tagore in the third act, Martin Luther King. There are these figures that Gandhi was connected with, but not necessarily meeting with.
2: Tolstoy, uh, they corresponded, I believe, uh, Gandhi and and Tolstoy. Uh, Tagore, I think, was an inspiration and the third act, which mentions King, um, is a look forward to you know, Gandhi's influence on later life and the successes as a result. So the piece. Okay, so it's not written in a conventional way in that the words and the music create the narrative together. What you have in the instance of this production especially are three strains. You have the visual narrative which is roughly Gandhi's biography. You have the music, written by Philip Glass, of course, which is not a commentary at all, but almost an underlay, like in the way that Philip Glass's film music is, which creates tension, if you like, but never comment. And then at the same time, you have the text, which is taken from the Bhagavad Gita, and in fact we are singing it in Sanskrit because Philip Glass didn't want it to be understood because it's not very relevant to the narrative and might get in the way of following the story. So it was his intention that even though E&O did ask if they could translate it, he said no, that it was there as a sort of trance-like or a trance-inducing mantra in order to, as it were, help the audience ascends to a position of a trance-like state where they could participate in the movement of Satyagraha themselves for the endurance of the opera.
0: So really the piece is more about inducing this sort of meditative state and participating in this feeling than sort of taking the audience on a narrative journey.
2: Acceptance and it's I suppose if you're in a trance-like state then you you haven't got the as it were, the uh, random access memory or the the, the ability to sort of fabricate conflicts because you'd be taken out of that trance-like state. So it's a sort of an acceptance of the world and yourself within it. And in accepting it, you can perhaps reach truth and also inspire truth.
0: Now, you've had a very interesting career. You were extremely successful and then you were diagnosed with thyroid cancer. Did that experience have some sort of impact on your own kind of reflections on life and where things are going for you personally and in a more sort of universal sense?
2: Absolutely, in a very profound way, in a way so profound that it's very hard for me to grasp that difference because I'm now a different person. And uh, I am who I am, and I was who I was. And uh, the two things are, of course, connected. But yes, my life has been shot through uh, a lens, and it's come out the other side different. But I I embrace that. And uh, I'm very lucky because I've managed to find my voice again. And I perhaps value things that I used not to value so much and the things that I used to value, I perhaps value slightly less. So it's fair to say that I'm probably less career-minded these days, and I'm more happiness-minded. I value my friends, my family, and that's very real. I know it sounds like a cliche and something that's uh, you know sort of um, you know you, you read in other people's things, but I now respect other people's saying that and and value it in myself.
0: Something I've read about you is that you're very Catholic in your tastes of the arts. You love film. You love going to art galleries. So do you find that there are threads in opera, in music, in art, in film that you can trace so that you can actually sort of embrace all of those arts in a more universal way?
2: Yeah, t- absolutely. That's a very good question. I mean, one of the things that keeps me interested in, in opera, and one of the reasons why I just feel so lucky to be involved in the arts, is that the way one can understand history through the arts and can understand where we are today, can look at inspiration, can look at psychology, it, it, it's an ever-changing and ever-evolving universe in which to live and it's a a, a beautiful place to exercise one's thoughts and see parallels, see differences so, okay, so we're working with um, an opera by Philip Glass, who's a a New Yorker um, a very individual kind of composer, I would say uh, more an artist than a composer, but that's very personal for me, and the fascinating book The Painted Word that I read some years ago exposes the art scene in New York at the time that this piece was written, in the 70s. And very recently we had that exhibition at the Royal Academy of Jasper Johns, and it was fascinating going around that and seeing the parallels there, if you like, I'd use the word again, but also the worldview, the centralization of New York to the work that Jasper Johns Produced, but also I think one can see that in Philip Glass's work, it's very busy music. There's a lot of traffic in it, and you know Philip Glass was himself a taxi driver for a long period, um, having been an insomniac. And you can sort of hear that relentless, never-ending uh, New Yorkness within the music. It's 24-hour music.
0: I read also that you backpacked across Iran. How did that come about, and? Yeah. How do your travels influence the way you take a role on?
2: The Iran thing came about as a result of uh, the, the speech made by George W. Bush in Capitol Hill, uh, the State of the Union address, where he identified an axe, a new axis of evil in the world. And he named Iran uh, and North Korea and, and, and one or two other places. And I thought that I wanted to go and see that for myself to see if that was true. So I applied for a visa, which was turned down. But when I got my passport back, it having been turned down and me being told about that on the telephone, there was a visa in my passport. So I didn't question it, I just went. And I had a month of travelling around that magnificent and very beautiful and surprising country, which um, every day knocked any preconceptions that I had into a cocked hat. Um, So how does that play into what I do as an opera singer. Well, not, not directly, but I guess well, I sing and search for something that binds people together rather than separates us.
0: It's 70 years since Gandhi passed away. Do you think the message that Gandhi brought still has relevance? And do you think that this opera goes some way to renewing that for new generations?
2: Yeah, I think we have to keep hearing this message over and over again because we forget and uh, it's, it's really important to, to learn that those four things, understanding, compassion, peace and patience, are paramount to a peaceful world without conflict and that we should listen to each other as well as state, state what we want. We you know, should understand that responsibility doesn't end at borders. It, it, it is a global thing. It spans the whole world and that we can't just be responsible for ourselves and not be responsible for others. And I think that is the message of of the piece.
0: rapturous applause there for Toby Spence as Gandhi and the cast of Satya Graha in the English National Opera production of Philip Glass's 1979 Opera. Visually stunning, so inventive and the music and the imagery was so woven together.
1: I found the inventive use of puppetry both very profound and also very entertaining. At times um, I think the audience were laughing but then also very moved by the use of puppetry.
0: And there's a motif that runs throughout this opera, and that is the image of newspapers, because Gandhi started a newspaper in South Africa to really register the voice of Asians in South Africa. And throughout the second act, this imagery of the newspaper is very much used and very much celebrated as a motif.
1: Yes, you also see Gandhi in this opera set himself against... the the mob, the voice of the mob. Of course, in early 20th century South Africa saw the beginnings of legalised segregation, and especially the Second Act sees Gandhi really set himself against that. And it's interesting how the opera explores, there's always these individuals who from time to time, who are brave enough to change the narrative.
0: So as Ponder wends its way home from the London Coliseum, I can tell you that Saatchi Graha is playing here until the end of February and tickets start from as little as £12 if Philip Glass's hypnotic music doesn't lift you up closer to heaven then a £12 ticket certainly will, you're right up in the gods, the view will be very good, you may need to bring binoculars.
1: Well that's all from Ponda Extra here at the English National Opera, be sure to keep an eye and ear out for the next full edition of Ponder at the end of February.